Oh, hey, hey. Oh. It's all my rowdy <laughs> friends. Who's that voice? What's going on, boys? <laughs> Welcome to the Pickle of Baloney File. This is Aaron Donnelly. I'm here with my co-host, Nathan Nate Sadler. Sadler. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And a special uh, guest host today, my brother, Matthew Donnelly. You want to say hi, Matt? All right. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> so today's topic is going to be collecting baseball cards in the 80s and 90s, which we have a lot of experience with. Um, what if I collected them in the 2000s? <laughs> is that bad? <laughs> it's very bad. <laughs> um, I'll handle the last couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, Matt, you don't still have any, collect any cards, do you? I don't. In fact, the only cards I have, and they're pretty sad, are the ones I got today. <laughs> so I only have seven cards, and one of them's one of them's Todd Frazier. Mm. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> What'd you get? What brand? Uh, Tops 2018 Opening Day. Okay. All right. I actually went out and I went out to a card shop, and um... <laughs> did you get a time machine? <laughs> <laughs> it felt like it. there's one card shop still out there in my town, and. Because I was looking for the mystery card. So uh, for the audience, we, uh, when me and Nate and Matt and some others would trade uh, cards back in like the early 90s, there was, I'd always be, there'd always be one, I'll trade you a Greg Vaughn for your Gary Sheffield, and I'll throw in the mystery card. (laughs) (laughs) And the mystery card could be anything. You don't know what the mystery card is, but the mystery card was always either the Mark Eaton 8687 basketball card, which I had erased his face and drawn in a smiley face, or the uh, San Diego chicken card. So anyway, I went to the card store and asked him if he had, I walked in. I was like, good, sir. I am rec- I'll pay top dollar for a 1986 Mark Eaton card. And he kind of looked at me like, why? why? You know, I go, and I kind of told him about the mystery card deal, and he just, he didn't smile or crack or anything. And no. So, so then he he had it. He he found it and he was like, "Okay, it's it's two dollars." So I handed him my debit card, and he kind of like frowned at me. And I go, "Well, I'll, I'll give you five dollars if you want to run the debit card for it." And he goes, "Okay." He goes, "Do you want anything else?" And then I go, "How about I go? How about a pack of eighty-eight Donruss?" No, no. <laughs> and I, he goes, "How about a whole box?" And I kind of laughed and I was like, "Yeah, right." And he goes, "No, I'm serious." And then I, my smile faded and I was like, I don't want a whole box. So I have here in my hands an 88 uh, Donruss unopened pack that I thought I might do a, a pack break live ah, uh, yes. for us. So Anticipation is killing me. This, you know, I think 88 Donruss, I, have you guys heard about the Alex Madrid card? No. <laughs> no, I have not. Okay, so apparently that's a card that got made by mistake. He's a pitcher for the Phillies, and the card's really? worth like twenty five thousand bucks. Really? So, so if you, you if, think it's an... if you get it, I'll pay you five bucks. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, eighty. I never, I haven't heard that. Nate. Yeah. I did hear recently there was news. Um, I think it was ninety two hoops uh, card. Um, somebody just discovered that the Menendez brothers are in the background. Um, oh, the guys that killed their that. parents. Yeah. And it's it was during the time period after they had killed their parents where they were spending all their money and hadn't been caught yet. And they were there at the front row of that game. That's how you live it up. <laughs> yeah. You get to spend money like Brewster's Millions. That's how you do it. 
Nate, did you? We, maybe we should go through a brief history of card collecting. I had a table at a card show. Do you guys remember this? I do remember that. Unfortunately, at the remember the Clarion in Cedar Rapids on the southwest side, Corey yeah. Moses and me had a table together, and I think I got what happened that day was I paid fifty bucks for half the table, and I got swindled out of my top five cards. <laughs> What did you put on the table? Um, what were your what were your wares? Uh, my prized possessions were I had uh, uh, two Wilt Chamberlain rookies. I had really? uh, a Mike Mussina rookie, which for some reason I heavily overvalued. Um, I had a Ricky Henderson rookie, Wade Boggs rookie, yeah. stuff like that. And I lost them all. <laughs> so I'll give you my brief uh, baseball history. The highlight of every week was I was allowed to ride my bike from Belmont Parkway when I lived on the hill. A couple, I don't know, two miles to the 7-Eleven. Do you guys remember the 7-Eleven that was kind of yeah. up there off uh, Edgewood? Yeah. Um, yeah. And seven, so we would go, usually me and the neighbor kid, and we would uh, buy packs of 86 or 87 tops, take whatever was left over and either play Duck Hunt or uh, by Slurpee. I heard, so I was doing some research on, I Googled like what is the most overproduced card set of all time? 89 score. Well, people say 89 score was, was a good one, but that those had clear packs that you could yes. just fingernail through. Anyway, um, they said either 87 tops or 88 Donruss actually were the most overproduced and the most still in existence are 88 Donruss apparently. So are, are no, 88 never, Donruss never the never ones not. with the, the black borders with a little kind of spaces in it that's uh 87 had black with like baseball kind of things 88 had like a blue and dark yep. blue kind of border yep. oh they're miserable they put me in a bad mood just looking at them <laughs> <laughs> just you so are the of the of the unit. they are um so I was going to tell a little story I had about uh, Don Matting, my Don Mattingly card. So me and Matt um, started collecting, I think in 84, mm-hmm. with 84 Fleer. And I think it was 87. I wanted, uh, Don Mattingly was the heart. I think Don Mattingly really helped start the uh, the whole collecting industry or helped yeah. reboot it anyway. Him and Wade Boggs uh, were big that year. Yeah. So uh, the mustaches. I, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the relit the fire. <laughs> um so it was 80, 87 and i remember i had ten dollars uh for my birthday and there was a car shop in westdale mall in the in like a kiosk area yep. and uh it was my big play my big move was to spend all my ten dollars on this don mattingly fleer rookie and i remember walking out of the store and talking to matt and then and then coming back in and walking back out like it, it felt like i was like Churchill in the World War II war room, like trying to decide. And uh, so anyway, I laid down the 10 bucks and I got it. And then I remember we, my, <laughs> our parents thought it might be a good idea to keep our most valuable cards in grandpa's safe because it was fireproof. <laughs> so we uh, sent the Don Mattingly card to Brandon to stay in grandpa's safe. And I would imagine like fire consuming the house and like in the rubble opening the safe and holding up the Don Mattingly card on un- unscathed. <laughs> and uh, anyway, I, uh, so that was $10 in 1987 and I just looked it up on, on eBay and someone's selling it for $8. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> you know, in 
uh, inflation adjusted that's way worse too so two dollars over 30 years going down isn't bad um, i mean that means in 75 years it'll be worth zero <laughs> i'd love to see the chart on that one the investment chart up the ups and downs so so is this still beckett is beckett still around how would you find i don't i don't know but you can um so maybe we should go into that uh let me just if if you guys don't mind i'll give a quick history of the car collecting just from what i took notes on and then we can launch into that so um and actually this is kind of interesting that car collecting started with this guy jefferson burdick um who started he was collecting all these cigarette cards because previous to like maybe 1950s pre-war stuff especially was either in gum or early stuff is in cigarette packs he just started collecting them with some of his friends and he started keeping track of them because nobody else was and he developed the first price guide in 1933 he claimed that all the cards are really worth either a penny or two pennies however he i was gonna say you could buy like a grand piano for a penny back then (laughs) <laughs> I know. but what's weird is that even back then he recognized that the hannes wagner card the most valuable card was rare and he valued it at 50 dollars in 1933 wow. uh, which i thought was interesting and i guess he spent his whole life trying to get one he finally got one he donated his full uh card collection like 30,000 cards to the new york metropolitan museum of art and i actually got to see it last year when i went there i didn't even know who he was but he had all they had all these cards out there so that was pretty cool did they return the um, sorry we <laughs> yeah. out of can i donate our 88 donors <laughs> to the met <laughs> so uh um, I think they use uh, they use uh, eighty eight Donruss instead of cat litter in a lot of places. Like they just they just cover the bottom of the box with eighty eight Donruss. Like there's just it's just all Rance Mullinix everywhere. Rance Mullinix, Dwayne Ford. I was trying to eighty eight Blue Jays. I was I was trying to think of something more less valuable than an eighty eight Donruss card, and I thought, well, maybe you remember how at checkout stands you used to get those AOL discs for sixty minutes free yes <laughs> maybe maybe that <laughs> maybe that's less valuable i don't know you know kmart um, used to have online yeah kmart what? came up with the one of the first dialogues kmart dialogue oh very, i did not know really, that very high very high <laughs> end are you are you matt donnelly at kmart.com <laughs> <laughs> boy that really <laughs> You know, they had one guy probably in the Kmart corporate who's like, this is going to be big. Really, I'm telling you guys. They're like, all right, just throw him a bone. Yeah. Let yeah. him do his Kmart dial-up. <laughs> Not now, damn it. We need to mark down these slacks. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, so Matt, does, remember dad bought some uh, – actually, you know, these cigarette – cards from the 1910s they're actually not that rare like they produce mm. millions of them um and i remember dad bought he used to be able to buy them at card shows for not that much money right and uh dad had somebody he also had a mickey mantle or two do you remember where any of those are do you know uh you know i haven't seen those in, in years and years yeah okay mm-hmm. well maybe we should talk do you want to talk a little bit about dad and his collecting at all sure. <laughs> uh, so dad our dad we used to go to card shows and card shops all over, and but our dad was a fierce collector of records, and he had basically every four, nine, 45 record probably in the uh, 50s and 60s, like tens of thousands of them probably. But he had a, he was in the Marilyn Monroe as well, and uh, 
He has some Marilyn Rose like makeup and hairbrush with her hair on it. Um, did he like Back and, to the Future? It seemed like he had a lot of Back to the Future stuff. Or did I? Yeah, yeah. Did he have a life science and cutout of Back to the Future. Yeah, I had one in my bedroom. Yeah, that's right. And then, but his prized possession was the uh, the Marilyn Monroe brick that he took from her house. <laughs> and, was it a load bearing uh, brick? <laughs> I don't know. He has a story about trying to get leaves from her yard and then going to the car and not being happy with those and then getting a big stick and not being happy with that. And then <laughs> and then walking by and noticing a loose brick. And then uh but then when he went through uh his divorce, I remember him him calling me up and going, She took the brick. <laughs> is the conspiracy but i think i only brought it up because do you remember the prize possession in our living room nate was uh, a pair of peter torque's pants <laughs> yes <laughs> peter torque was a bass guitarist for the monkeys and but they weren't like his pants when he was in the monkeys they were his pants from the 80s <laughs> <laughs> from when he was like a, a an accountant or something <laughs> yeah uh, okay, and then but the prize uh, picture, uh, Nate. Do you remember Dad's bullhorn picture? Oh yeah. Oh yes. <laughs> I don't know if we need to go into that, but I I was thinking about that, and I just so there's a there was in our living room pictures of autographs and everything all over the walls, and then uh, there was a picture of my dad uh, naked with a, with some bullhorns and a, and a strategically placed bullhorns, <laughs> but I just thought, what is it looks like they were taken at like Olin Mills or Sears, that picture. But it did he like walk? <laughs> did the guy like turn his back, like playing with the camera? And then he turned back and dad was standing there with the bullhorns. <laughs> what wasn't it? An, I thought it was an ornament where it flipped and one side was him like in his uh, Sunday best, you know, country line dancing outfit. <laughs> and the other side was uh, the uh, precariously pr- placed bullhorn. <laughs> I think that must have been part of the the photo package okay. <laughs> because there was also like an eight by 10. It was very old well. mills though. I'd, it had like a background yeah. with like a sunset or something. And Yeah. yeah. Well, that's, anyway, you know, that um, would have been a good, uh, one of those things like uh, they used to do with naked, with the women, you know, where there'd be a bikini in one and then you'd shake it and then it would be, I think that's what ah, Nate was doing too. Yeah. It'd be my yeah. dad's outfit. You shake it like little snow globe. <laughs> <laughs> I think he missed an untapped market there. <laughs> um, okay, so back to cards. Uh, so Tops uh, was a baseball card company that came in, in in around 52, 51, and they really took over the entire market. There was a couple other smaller companies, but up until about 1980, Tops had a, a monopoly on the market, and baseball cards really weren't collected or seen as a hobby. I mean, they started in the 70s. Beckett actually came out, I think, with his first price guide in the 70s, but um, it wasn't national or anything. In 81, um, two other companies came into play, Fleer and Donruss. Fleer had sued Topps in 1975 to break the company's monopoly on baseball cards, and they won. And so they came into play in 81. And uh, so then they started to increase production. And then around 84 is when the first Beckett Baseball Card Monthly magazine came out nationally. And then the baseball card hobby really started to take off. Uh, with Fleer and Donruss and Tops increasing their production runs, they, you know, with the demand, and so you get to the end of the '80s, and you have two new companies. One's called Score, which was sort of a cheaper version, but then there's a more important company called Upper Deck that came into play in '89, and Upper Deck was the first company to break, basically, sell their packs for 99 cents, which was a, a big barrier. 
because previous to that cars were like 50 cents or less so so for you guys for me as a kid the the 89 griffey upper deck rookie was like the gold standard it was like it was the card you always searched for do you guys remember the upper deck code that you would use yes so you matt matt you had it right i did i had it written down and i had kept a secret in my room uh if rod saw you doing the code (laughs) rod would uh shoo you out of the store because he didn't want you doing the code on his that's right because you had to use remember you had to take your thumb and kind of push the cards to see the number and then do Uh the code on the way down but you know it had to be a full box or whatever and it had to be a brand yeah. new box, and I think you had to buy the top right pack or something, yep. and then you could count the card numbers based on where that that first pack ended up, I guess. So, Matt, you had a Griffey 89. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I think I cheated to get it, too. I think I used the yeah. Did you sell it? I think I remember you selling it to go to prom, take the money and use it for prom or something. <laughs> I might have, I might have bought the, uh, the boutonniere with it. I don't know. I, <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm gonna put my money that he traded it two for one for two Gary Scott rookies. <laughs> yes, that was my big player, man. I, I bought fifty of them. I you thought they were gonna be Didn't worth. You, have a, you had a whole binder full of just Gary Scotts, <laughs> or, or was it Kevin Ori? Kevin Ori and Gary Scott. Yes, because I didn't know. Well, I figured one of one of the Cubs' future third baseman would come through. They can't all suck. What about Ty Griffin? Just look at him. Look yeah. at the guy. Come on. I know. I know. I look at a Ty Griffin card today, and I still think this guy's going to be good someday. <laughs> He's you know? on a little, a little hiatus, but he'll be back. The, the, I the saw one for me. I will say, uh, Willie Ainsley. He was an Astros yes. prospect. I just, yeah. I, I looked at his picture, and I'm like, this guy's going to be something. Not based yeah. off anything <laughs> other than just look at him. He looks like something. Is that the one where on the back it said he hit a 530 yes. foot yep. home run in high school? That or something? was it. Yeah. That was sold. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Matt, did you? Uh, I read an article recently on Gary Scott about his search for a job <laughs> in the job market or something after uh, leaving baseball. Really? And it was like it was, it was in like the New Yorker magazine, or it was in a high profile magazine. Wow. But it talked about how he completely bombed out of baseball and now was trying to find a, a job on Wall Street or or something. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he, he said on his resume, he basically has a baseball card. <laughs> I guess he doesn't, doesn't have any other job experience, but it was, it was interesting. Huh. I like his theory though, because based on looks of the player, Gary Scott looked just way weak. Like he looked like he had anemia or maybe. Yeah, he did. <laughs> he looked like Lee Harvey Oswald. <laughs> he did not look like he was going to make it like uh, yeah. not successfully. Yeah. Uh, so, um, so just to wrap that up, the 89 Don or upper deck came out and by the late eighties, it's called, now it's called the junk wax era because these car, these card companies were just pushing out so many cards that they flooded the market entirely. The supply sparks outseeded the demand. And so there became a crash in after 94. So, and I had even read that the number of cards that were being produced in a year in the early nineties was over 80 billion cards a year. So they're complete. I mean, it's just a complete oversaturation and money grab by these companies. And we were there around that exact prime time to, to buy up all that stuff. So Epperdeck came along and then, so other companies started using premium type situations with cards 
They started doing inserts, I think in 97, maybe. But in 94, the market really crashed on baseball cards. And it's sort of associated with the baseball strike that happened in 94. Um, at the same time, strike. with that, with the housing market. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. It ties in so, somehow. There's some index, baseball card, the housing market. Yeah, it's like yeah, oil and yeah. gold. They trade together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's what a lot of people link it to is that uh, strike. Even though baseball came back with steroids afterwards with the, you know, the the home run chase and all that, um, baseball cards kind of tried to come back with the same concept a little bit when you think about what steroids are. And so everybody started inserting these super rare special cards or they'd have a patch from like you could get a Todd Worrell game worn jersey patch on a card or something. But then really baseball cards haven't really ever come back to that that time period again. And now I think the only company that can produce actual baseball cards is Tops and then Upper Deck to some degree, I think. That's pretty much all you see. I, my kids aren't really... I don't really know a lot of kids that are into collecting cards anymore. The, it's funny when you mention like the post crash era for cards, right. what comes to my mind is Bowman. Do you guys, do you remember Bowman yeah. cards? Yeah. And Bowman would always, you would have a pack and there would be, first of all, you'd only get like six cards. So you'd pay like two or $3 by this time for a pack with like six cards. And in that pack of six cards, there'd be like actually two major leaguers and they would always mm-hmm. have lots of minor league guys and they'd yeah. be like, you'd be like, this guy's in like rookie ball. This guy's 17 or this guy's a fetus. <laughs> this guy was right. just born. <laughs> yeah. Well, the demand, see, that's where you see like a gamification of the market by these companies because they're trying to get be the first company that has that first rookie card. And so they're taking these weird risks on people that aren't even really good or going to be good. And so that's in any market. I mean, it's really an economics, like my daughter's in economics right now, and you could do a whole economic study on the baseball card market. And it really, the only cards that are sort of valuable are pre 1980 when cards really weren't a collector's item. They were just a thing that, that kids had. Mm. I, you know? I, I would we talk about this earlier, but. Don't you think it's kind of a form of child abuse when you think of uh, it's really just old, creepy old guys in cars yeah. trying to rip off little kids? Yeah, what totally. Maybe we should talk about Rod. Yeah. Um, yes. yeah. I, I thought of a good, uh, quick analogy for Rod. So yeah. uh, I'm assuming you guys have seen the movie The Force Awakens. Yeah. Okay. So follow me here. Uh, Ray, when she finds the pieces in the old Star Destroyer, and she takes it to the junk shop and he's like, what have you brought <laughs> yeah. for me today? Yeah. Like, and he gives her basically like a piece of bread for probably a million dollars worth of junk. That was, yeah. that's my analogy for Rod. Yeah. So I tried so Rod, hard to impress Rod and I never could. I know. I wanted Rod's approval. Nate, did you know that he married into the family? He did. Rod. Yeah. Rod married our cousin. First cousin. I think yeah, so. First cousin. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, 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 we're like we're cousins one removed from Rod. <laughs> so, what does he what does he do these days, you think? He's dead. He died. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He's dead. He, yeah. He's gone, but um so he his so in- just to give our listeners a <laughs> Rod, it was there was one main card shop in our town and it was called Rod's Sports Cards Plus. And I think the plus was secondhand smoke, <laughs> <laughs> but it was in, uh, 
it was in, he had like a converted garage and it was like half his garage and he walked in and it was rod and he looked kind of like bob ross a little bit um and then he had his he had a glass case there but the crazy thing about it is like every guy of our age even though like nate we, we didn't even know you really and when you were like younger younger and jay and all these people would go with new rod it was like a watering hole for <laughs> i guess prepubescent boys with dreams of you know with their card collections <laughs> who want to hang out with a creepy old man in his garage <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's <laughs> You cannot use the guy's bathroom. Well, Nate, did you get to use his bathroom? Uh, one time because I told him <laughs> I could not hold it and it was an emergency. <laughs> yeah, I did buy a pack of cards. I though. did, yeah. He he said uh, <laughs> only for paying customers. So he let me go in the house and he said, don't touch anything. I forget. I said, I think he said, don't look at anything. <laughs> <laughs> and just use the bathroom and get out. So I think I bought a pack of probably 88 Donruss, probably the cheapest thing I could find. Uh, Jay, yeah. I heard went the to the bathroom in his house too. We look, we yeah, Nate, do you remember the box? T- like we were uh, panning for gold. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like anything good was ever going to be in there. Like we were going to slip one past Rod. Yeah, like but... he accidentally slip. Yeah, accidentally put in a Don Matting. I know. I love the ten cent box though. I, um, my favorite Rod story is this kid. I was in there in the tent, looking through the ten cent box, and this kid came in with like a. It was a. Uh, Mark McGuire, 85, like the the USA one, yep. <clears throat> rookie. And he had it in like this fancy big case and everything. And he I don't, he wasn't really trying to sell it. He was just trying to impress Rod. And he came up and he is like, he held it up to Rod. And he's like, how much would you give for this? You know, <laughs> Rod. <laughs> and Rod like takes a drag from a cigarette and, and he goes, this is a reprint. I'd pay a penny just to rip it up. <laughs> he handed it back to the kid, and the kid like dropped his head and uh, like shuffled out. I thought you were gonna say like, uh, "I wouldn't give you a match to burn it, kid." <laughs> you don't have to add all that, Rod. Come on, man. No, he, I'd pay a penny just to rip it up. I think I was, a, I, think I was kid. a happy, well-adjusted person until I started going to Rod's card shop. You could um, not pull one over on that guy, though. You just—it was impossible. No, he was sharp. You tried. It's, it's weird how you like admire guys like that when you're younger, but then nowadays, like, he's a guy that has a card shop out of his garage. That's what I he does. Tell, he's a total pedophile. Like yeah. that's, that's the only job they could really do right now. <laughs> hey, you, so, look at the, um, you look at the math and you're like, wait a minute. Isn't that where Rod's garage is? <laughs> How many feet from the school math? was it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 101. <laughs> so I'm going to open up. I'm going to do a pack break of this uh, 88 Donruss here. Ah. I get too far. Let's see. I should. Have you guys ever watched pack breaks on YouTube? I, I have. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I love watching them. You're going to yeah. get a Benito Santiago. I'm calling it. I'm calling my shot. <laughs> All right. First is uh, Pat Pachillo with the Reds. Kent Tucklevy. He uh, had the dark the dark sunglasses. Yeah. <laughs> Eric <laughs> Nolte. <laughs> Steve Lyons. Terry Poole. Al Leiter, rated rookie. Ooh, okay. Boom. <laughs> Jeff Russell. Chuck Finley. Rob McClure. Greg Cattery. Lonnie Smith of the Royals. Tommy Henzo. Jeff Hamilton, Steve Trout, and Pat Sheridan. You got, you got <laughs> Pat Sheridan is in every pack. I swear. Is it Pat Sheridan Indians? It's uh, Pat Sheridan Tigers. Okay, he's in every yeah. pack. Oh man, what a miserable pack! <laughs> that's that's eighty-eight yeah. Donruss for you. I know. Well spent. 
Um, so nowadays, though, I actually Googled there are so everything now is graded. I don't know. You can you send in a card to a couple of companies, PSA or there's another one. Um, and they send you it back in a case with a grade. And then basically it's almost like a commodity at that point to where it has a, it has a grade that everyone agrees on um, and a value that you can set, trade sort of like on the stock market. Uh, Matt, Matt, you send in the Jordan card to get graded. Uh, yes. And I forget there, I forget what the standards were, but um, yeah, it cost me like 50 bucks or something. It was, There's it was, uh, mint near mint. Uh, and I don't know after that. So yeah so um cards that get a psa which is the company if you can get a psa 10 which is the highest like a perfect card they're actually really really can be very valuable because they're so rare i I was just googling like what are the most valuable cards that have sold recently a psa 9 mickey mantle sold for uh, 52 mickey mantle sold for like three million dollars last year um but even like a psa 10 pete rose rookie which when we were a kid, Matt, I think was like seven or eight hundred dollars. Yeah. The, there's a PSA ten that just sold for seven hundred thousand dollars. And the reason why, like even like a PSA ten Dennis Eckersley, seventy-nine rookie, sold for twelve thousand dollars. Because there's the PSA like marks how many of these there are, and there's only one Pete Rose ten in the yes, world. Yeah, so that's it's almost like it's it's a unique item at that point because and, and how do they know this? How do they they keep a registry of all the tens they've ever issued? Oh, I see. And and so you can actually see how many of a ten there have been and and uh, it's smart. Uh, yeah, it's kind of interesting that way. Um, who, so if you can who get the a, hell is paying twelve thousand dollars for a Dennis Ashley <laughs> card? <laughs> I know. So uh, I remember back in the day, like uh, card quality wasn't as important no it's just what it what whatever the who it was it wasn't yeah you know you could have a bent corner and where it'd be all fluffed out and yeah yeah and now it's all about to get that perfect 10 apparently there are three uh 10 mickey mantle 52 tops and i think if they went to auction they'd be 10 million dollars a piece right now yeah that's that's kind of an interesting little element i even read like I was on the PSA uh, boards and, and this guy posted and he said, someone has been submitting Devon white 88 Donruss to try and get a 10. There are zero of them. And, and there've been 200 submissions. <laughs> uh, I guess if you get a 10 of anything, it would be uh, very rare. Like you said. Yeah. Like a 10 uh, Mark Grace 88 Donruss is selling is at least listed for like $70. Oh. Um, just because they're they're like rare, it's centering, it's corners, it's a whole bunch of things. I think yeah. that might be the deal with this Alex Madrid card. Is it's just so rare for some reason. It's right. it's not like anybody re- really wants a uh, Phillies rookie Alex Madrid. It's just they're that rare. Yep, yep. But, and I always felt like you know how error cards became a big thing like in the late eighties with the Billy Ripken thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then like 89 Donruss or 90 Donruss, there's so many errors. Like you can't even count the number of errors there are. I always wondered if they did that intentionally to try and drive the market. Some kind of scarcity. Once I found out that it, uh, that it mattered. Yeah. (laughs) That had to have been a sign at the beginning of the end when they're intentionally putting in errors to try and, (laughs) Is it a picture of a Menendez brother just like taped into the picture? <laughs> they probably called him up. We uh, we need a Menendez brother. Maybe in the background of this time. 
yeah. It'd be awesome if it was like a third brother that we don't know about. Like, <laughs> that'd be awesome. Steve Menendez. Do you have? Which maybe we should go by and talk about our biggest scores that we ever got. I remember uh, Matt, you and I had a big day at a card uh, convention one time where we traded a bunch of uh, maybe David Robinson rookies for. Yes. Yes. I, we. I think I ended up losing ultimately on that because I had a Ricky Henderson rookie that we bundled. We got Kyle Ripken. Yeah, that's right. We got a Kyle Ripken out of it, and that was a big. That was a big deal. At, um, at the time, yeah, at the time, it was a good trade for us. But yeah, I remember trading uh, Rob Shanstrom Jobby. Uh, me and him had a pretty heated trading session up in his bedroom one time, <laughs> where it was. Uh, he had all these '86, '87 Fleer basketball cards, and but he had written he had there were doubles for him, so he'd written a D. He'd scribbled a D oh. on the back of the. Key. <laughs> So Got I still it. have all those. I know. But what he wanted was my uh, score bow card. Remember the card with Bo Jackson with the shirt off and the bat on yep, his shoulder? Yep. So I just kept feeding him bow cards like a fiend and trading <laughs> <laughs> trading for these other cards that are – I'd rather have the bow cards probably now. But anyway. Do you remember the bow bat breaker card? No. Yeah. Matt, do you remember the bat breaker card? No, I know. Yeah, it was uh, – I think it was early 90s score. I know it was score. And it was Bo like walking away from home plate and breaking the bat over his knee, and that uh, was like one I was always uh, fiending after. So yeah, you know, they, I love the action shots in baseball cards. You know, like they uh, and they had like silly ones, like Jay Johnstone had like yeah. a um, piece of bubble gum on his hat or something. <laughs> have you seen a? Uh, have you seen Bip Roberts with the sombrero on? Yes, yes. I've seen that one. That's like my favorite. But you know, uh, they're not even trying anymore, I guess. I got this pack I just bought, and, uh, an opening day set. All they do is they show Miguel, Miguel Sano uh, stretching. He's like, uh, <laughs> he's sitting in the field stretching. They're not even trying. They're on such a low budget. They got to get him. They got one photographer for one day. Yes. That's the action shot. It's his, it's his mug shot from last year. <laughs> yeah. There's a great um, – did I send you guys the link for Baseball Card Bust? I think I might have. They have so many funny cards. If you look up eyebrows, like they have cards of guys with funny eyebrows. And uh, But my favorite part was they had the 88 Donruss, the uh, Diamond Kings the cards. Yep. And they were talking about what health issues the guys on the cards had because they all look like they're having strokes because the painting wasn't good. <laughs> that's <pretty funny. laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. They were portraits of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, here's all of Juan Gonzalez's maladies. You don't want interested. You don't want to see a Willie McGee Diamond King painting. It's not. (laughs) It's just a black box. (laughs) Um, And then there's always uh, worse. Oh man! So who are the ugliest baseball players? (laughs) Oh, Otis Nixon definitely is up there. Oh man, he's bad. There was a guy that they always talk about in the '60s, Don Mossy. That's that's worth. Yeah, that's worth a Google. I always thought Zane Smith. Zane Smith for the Braves. If you go on baseballcardbust.com, he dominates a section called Snaggletooth. I was going to say, he was very (laughs) buck-toothed. Speaking of that, um, so there's also a lot of uh, funny baseball uh, player names. Um, Nate, what was the one you sent me? Steve (laughs) Shartz. How about Rusty Nuts? Rusty no, Nuts, that's no. the standard. <laughs> you know what? I always thought it was Rusty Nuts, but I just revisited it, and it's even worse. It's Rusty Cunts. It, it is. 
Well, that's, I don't even know if I want to say the name. That's like <laughs> somebody somebody yeah, but... tried to spin it and say it was Koontz, but it's yeah, not. it's Russ. I think the the joke goes: the women in his family practiced abstinence. <laughs> <laughs> that's a horrible name. Uh, there's a the guy for the Cubs, was it? Uh, Dick Pole. Oh, Dick Pole and Pete Lecoq. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> Pete Lecoq. Peter Lecoq. <laughs> Lecoq. <laughs> it's French. Yeah. Uh, I found one guy in the 1800s. His name was Cannonball Titcomb. That was pretty good. <laughs> but see, that's not weird because for that time, every yeah. single person, every single baseball player in the 1800s was named like Captain something or Lieutenant yes. something or yeah. Yeah. Smoking Joe something. <laughs> yeah. Find a card. Find uh-huh. a card for the oh, 1800s. Six-toed, six-toed Joe. Oh, yep. Yeah. About their feet. Yeah. <laughs> Seven ass Smith. <laughs> <laughs> He's a legend. <laughs> Hard uh, to find pants, but why tobacco? Well, why was that? The that's form? a good question. I think it might have been the only thing like uh, associated with baseball. Like why? It's, you know, because everybody in the baseball crowd you see in the old timey films are always smoking cigars. Yeah. Well, they would sell the vendors that walked around would sell packs of cigarettes. Right. Uh-huh. Right. And they probably maybe they gave they smoked the cigar and they gave the card to the kid. Probably. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Here's a little something for you. <laughs> Some secondhand <laughs> cancer in a card. See, that's why that's why uh, that's why Rod had it right, man. That's how the that's how it started. Well, yeah, I mean. I know guys, you know, guys would smoke in the locker room and I had heard that even like, uh, who was it? Um, oh, uh, Larry Bird would smoke at ah. halftime in the locker room. Really? And, yeah. yeah. I don't know. But I, I can imagine guys smoking in the dugout and stuff like that. It probably wasn't oh, Mark, even frowned Mark upon. Smoke. Mark Grace used to smoke back in the tunnel. Oh, did he? Yeah. I heard that, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess, you know, the famous thing about the Honus Wagner card is that he didn't want kids to buy cigarettes to get his card, although that's kind of debated, actually, if that was actually the reason why it was limited. And that's actually, the his, story I've heard. And that card run, though, isn't that limited when you think about it. Apparently, there are still like 60 of them in existence. So there are a lot more rare cards than that. It's just it has so much legacy to it um, and sort of lore, I guess. Mm-hmm. You try to think the, about geographically too. Those cards really didn't make it out of the East Coast. Probably not. Yeah, that much because um, just the networking, transportation, uh, you know, the merchants and that. So yeah, you don't. You're not gonna find one out. How you know out west, like in Oregon? Because see, you know, I don't think was there a team even west of the Mississippi then? Oh, there might not. I think it wasn't Atlanta the furthest for a while. Well, Brooklyn Dodgers moved in late fifties or was it mid fifties to LA? It was in the fifties. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was the fifties. But before but, that, you're right. It wasn't. It was all East Saint, Coast. St. Louis, my St. Louis might have been your farthest team. Right. For yeah. A while. yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's why. Yeah, baseball cards. West Coast wouldn't want anything to do with them. So yeah, I always remember like scouring because you always hear your parents that like the grandma threw away the cards. So we'd always scour grandma's house in hopes of finding something, and all you ended up with was like some of Denny's like late seventies wrinkled cards. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Yeah. The thing I'm upset about is somewhere I had I don't know if you guys knew I was kind of into comic books, and I had like all the uh like infinity war comic books 
Huh, I didn't uh, know that name. Yeah, I had X Men. Yeah, I think he kept that secret. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that and your Debbie Gibson uh, shake your love tape. No, the, you, didn't want, the, you didn't want to harm your rep. But <laughs> no, it was the bad dub remix, Aaron. So it was, <laughs> it was street. That's <laughs> true. But, uh, so somewhere, I mean, sure, it's thrown away, but I have probably a box that's got X Men: Days of Future Past, all of them, Infinity War, all of them. Uh, I had some like old Thors. Huh. Uh, but I'm like, I mean, those would be a gold mine right now. And the, yeah. the cards, the cards, those are all lost in the flood anyway, but those are worth nothing. So there are, there have been some big finds. Um, like it's always exciting to hear about. I think recently there was a lady that found a bunch of unopened boxes because her husband was a, worked for like a convenience store chain and had a bunch of them from the uh, maybe forties or Bowman or something. Mr. Mint. Do you ever hear, you remember Mr. Mint, Matt? Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> so Mr. Mint was the, in the heyday of baseball cards, he was the premier national baseball card dealer in the nation. I remember when we went to the national baseball card show in Chicago in 89, we saw Mr. Mint on the street and he had a, one of those silver briefcases, but it was handcuffed to him. <laughs> yes. Anyway, but his the big story with Mr. Mint was that someone had called him up and the guy had just opened a case of 52 tops uh, that had been in his attic. And so he had like 30 Mickey Mantle rookies, all all like top quality. And and that's like the most legendary story of, of finds, I guess. Yeah, it's like uh, it was like Al Capone's vault. Right. Yeah. Do you guys remember? Did you watch Al Capone's vault, Nate? I did, yeah. yeah I watched we... it on TV. I was so excited because I, lo- I love stuff like that. I love Unsolved Mysteries. So yeah. I was just like like face pressed against the TV. Like, right. Geraldo's a sexy man. Yeah, so, I remember watching Matt, do you remember watching it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember it was on. Yeah. What did they – they found something, but it was like, uh, it, it's, a, it's a styrofoam cup. Yeah. <laughs> Al Capone's styrofoam cup. The they found th- like garbage. They they found nothing. Yeah, they found nothing. Yeah. But it was definitely the first like reality show kind of hook cliffhanger commercial break show. Someday um, Geraldo's gonna go inside the Sphinx when they finally open that tunnel in the Sphinx. Yeah. And he's gonna find the exact same garbage. He's <laughs> gonna find Al Capone's uh, Al Capone's styrofoam cup. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Like you'd be like, what? You'd be like, what? No. <laughs> but so um he's gonna find that sally jesse raphael already raided the tomb so (laughs) (laughs) oh one big thing about card collecting was that you got to know all the stats of all the guys and i I never really watched matt you love watching actual whole baseball games even still oh yeah yeah i can watch it all day yeah and i never could settle down enough to watch like a baseball game but i knew all the stats because of baseball cards there was no other way to get that information back in the day and with the internet now, you don't need baseball cards to figure out stats or if you're even interested in it. You know what I mean? Did Did you guys like uh, – I always loved when I got a card and a guy was a league leader in a category. Yeah. And the, the stat would be like slanted. Yes. I always loved that. Like, yes, Mickey Tettleton led the league in strikeouts. I got it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Dave Kingman led the league in, in lowest batting average, but – King Kong, baby. Well, do you guys got anything else you want to bring up or talk about on this topic? Do you think we've covered it all? It's kind of sad. It's kind of sad when you go to Target or Walmart and there's like one lonely shelf with like a box of hockey cards from five years ago nobody bought. Yeah. I don't know. It kind of bothers me because it used to be a bigger deal. And now it's like I'll say to like my nine-year-old, I'm like, 
do you want to buy a pack of cards or something? He he could care less. So it, it was a huge part of our life. And guys that our age, like forty to forty five, probably now, it was a major part of our childhood. It, it was a, it was something talked about on a daily basis. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, that's all gone. It just was like a time frame where it happened. And now it's like if you go, to, I guess if you go to a collector show now, it's all adults. There's no kids. They can't afford it. Right, they've been uh, priced out. Yeah, from what I've heard from people, it's more of uh, autograph seekers, or you're buying an autograph football, an autograph jersey. You get to meet somebody. Uh, yeah. It's it's not really about the cards. It's more memorabilia type stuff. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Pete Rose has a like a his own little store in like a strip mall in Vegas where people can come in and he just sits there and he signs stuff and you can take pictures with him. And... Really. That's what well, he does. These old baseball players, they didn't make money like they do now where they're set for life. Like a lot of these old athletes, they relied on card shows for their income for signing autographs and stuff. Even Mickey Mantle, I heard at the end of his life, that was his source of income was card shows signing. He worked stuff. for he worked for Mr. Coffee too. That's true. <laughs> you remember? Yeah. Mr. Coffee employed a lot of baseball players. They did. <laughs> uh ex baseball players. Go to Mr. You, Coffee. You're making me think of I remember I had a few like old football cards from like the sixties or seventies and it would say on the back, like in, in his off season, Len Dawson works for triple a landscaping. <laughs> yeah. you remember these? Yeah. It would say like what they did on the bottom of tops on the back. I think it'd say, did you know? And it had like these little yep. extra things that were kind of interesting. Um, yeah, it's, yeah. it's interesting. I love, I love breaking out my cards every once in a while. I threw away all the commons. All I have is like the good stuff in one shoe box. The quote unquote good stuff. Um, the, and it's yours too, Matt. Half of it's your stuff. I don't, you know, but oh, take a look at it next time. Yeah, actually, you know what? The big score that me and Matt got, or that Matt got, was in Brandon at the quick stop for 35 cents, about a pack of 86, 87 Fleer basketball and got a Michael Jordan rookie. Ooh. And uh, so that Jordan card, then he gave it to me for my birthday um, one year. And it was basketball cards weren't worth, <clears throat> weren't worth what baseball cards were for a long time. I remember being worth $5 for a long time. And then Matt set it in to get graded, and it got graded a PSA 7. But I remember at one point, Matt, it's kind of a miracle that I got that, because I remember at one point it wasn't even in a case. I had it, you know, uh, you know how, like, you get in the waterbed, if the blue liner of the waterbed, <laughs> if you peeled back the waterbed against the wall of the bed frame, that's where the Jordan card was stuck up against there. <laughs> And I was like, oh, and I remember picking it up and I dropped it behind the bed one time. I don't, I, anyway, but I remember I, I remember I, uh, when I had that, when we lived on 31st street, I had like a wood paneling wall and on each separate plank, I would tape a different card. Do you remember this? Oh, so, so like one plank was like Will Clark. Yeah. And the next plank was like Kevin Mitchell. And the next plank was probably Alan Trammell or somebody. So each plank. So I probably like taped a super, my most valuable card ever to a, a piece of wood for two years. Yeah, so. exactly. Yep. You liked uh, the, the Tigers, right? You liked Alan Trammell. And, and then I also remember, Nate, did you like the Twins? I remember you liking Chuck Knobloch for some reason. I did. Yeah. Like Much like Matt with his full binder of Gary Scott's, yeah. I had a full binder of Chuck Knobloch, <laughs> yeah. which really panned out well for me. Yeah. So, um, I think it peaked. I think it, that rookie peaked at like seven bucks. And yeah. Steadily fallen from there. 
But yeah, at least you yeah, at least you broke the dollar barrier. Yeah. I bought mine, I bought mine for fifty cents each. Uh, Twenty five dollars well spent. You have to pay them to put it out with your recycling. <laughs> I'm gonna check out that story though. I need that story on Jerry Scott. Yeah. I think it says it might be titled it has the word penniless in it, I think. <laughs> um but the jordan thing and then matt so when i went through my divorce it was right around like the holidays kind of and so i i asked matt and i and he goes yeah you sell the jordan rookie so i sold the jordan rookie um uh, for like 750 dollars i think and it basically paid for our, my christmas for my kids that year because it didn't have a lot of because of what was going on so you know that's the silver lining on that little story but um yeah. yeah, it really meant a lot to me to be able to do that at the time. So thanks, Matt. That was cool. Oh yeah. It all started yeah. at the Brandon Quick Stop. Yeah, for sure. Cents. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was I wasn't buying basketball cards in the eighties. Nobody was. So. You were buying hockey though, Kurt, I think Nate. I think you were big on hockey at one point. Yeah. I I, I go through weird phases, so I bought a lot of uh like Russian Red Army cards because I was trying to get like one specific guy. Yes. And yeah, I don't, that never paid off. Yeah. Like sport flicks. I bought a lot of sport flicks. <laughs> it's great to talk to you guys about baseball cards. And yeah, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll edit all, some of this stuff out or whatever is the best parts, I guess. And, and, uh, and I'll let you guys know when it's ready to go. Oh, it's all gold. Leave it all. In. <laughs> I will. <laughs> yeah. Good talking to you, Matt. Yeah. Good talking to you, man. All right. I'll talk yep. to you guys later. See you. Right, bye.